There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. I'm Annabelle Corton from the Emirates Lit Fest here with my co-host today, Alex Brune. We're asking what connects the following Kim Kardashian, Harry Potter, Banksy and Steve Jobs. Well, at least one of the answers is popularity. Popular. You're gonna be popular. I'll teach you the proper poise when you talk to boys. Little ways to flirt and grind. We have to have the... No, come on, keep playing that. Just let it go. This is legally blonde. I love Kristen Chenoweth. Um, And later on in the song as well, she says, it's not about aptitude. It's the way you're viewed. And other than the fact that they're all famous, what connects them... Sorry, I'm hearing it in the background. There we go. Okay, what connects them other than that? I mentioned the book briefly um, last week before the end of the show, and since then I've spent far longer than I care to admit trying to figure out what Hogwarts house each of these people would have been in. But maybe we can figure that out by the end of the show. And with us in the studio to hopefully figure this out is Shadi Moazami, director and founder of Maya Luxury Communications. Thank you for joining us in the studio today. Thank you for having me. Um, I think it's a good place to start, you know, with this question. Um, you know, is, is, is why, you know, why, why we're asking it, what connects all of these people. And that's because we are talking about a book called The Kim Kardashian Principle by Jitender Sadev. Um, before we move into talking about the book, um, I would like to just mention, because this is quite relevant for the discussion that we're about to have. So you, obviously, My Luxury Communications, you started your own PR company, um, but you used to work in PR. So you've seen like both sides of it, haven't you? Yeah, exactly. So I've been working in PR for the last 10 years, working at global agencies as well as in-house for Jamira Group most recently. So my focus has always been behind the scenes PR person, educating and guiding spokespeople on what they should say, how they should talk, what they should talk about. So reading this book has been really interesting because I'm now finding a bit of a challenge myself to put myself in the spotlight and be my most authentic self, but also focusing on the work that needs to be done, how I need to present clients, etc. So So it's interesting. You've gone from coaching other people on that to having to you know, coach yourself on it, exactly. which must be a, a, an interesting transition. Um, so full disclosure, when I asked you to review a book called The Kim Kardashian Principle, I felt a bit I felt a bit conflicted because it does feel odd giving this book to somebody who has been in marketing for as long as you have. Um, What feelings did you approach the book with? Did you expect to learn anything from it? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. I think the title of the book is definitely one that's meant to trigger certain emotion. You're either a fan of Kim Kardashian or not. Um, She's kind of like that Marmite thing, which is what actually the author talks about quite often throughout the book. Um... I was very sure I was going to hate it because I thought he was going to say that you should be exactly like him and you should expose yourself as much as she does and um, kind of really live that narcissistic life that a lot of people and celebrities live on social media. However, I realised that actually what he says is is very true, particularly from a business point of view or a brand point of view or even a personal point of view as an individual that needs to be more confident or speak with more conviction in whatever they choose to speak about. Um, He actually raises some really strong points that a lot of other marketeers or business owners are raising as well. It's knowing who you are, knowing what you do very, very well and going into a room and knowing that and speaking with great conviction and a way to influence people. And really, once you understand that's what Kim has done successfully, 
you know, over the last few years, you actually start to admire her and the team behind her because you think, well, maybe I don't agree with the manner of doing it and perhaps the content of the things that she may work on or how she may present herself. But she's definitely done very, very well and continues to do well. I'm sure in the future she'll definitely be a key figure in, in our society. Um, and the author is right to use her as um, kind of an aspirational person in that manner because people recognise her, what she's done, her family. Um, and I, I take a lot from that as well. And I think I really personally, um, I wouldn't say struggled, but I'm definitely evolving in coaching myself, as you said, Annabelle, to be a little bit more present in brand Maya and brand Shadi rather than the brands that I've had to work with. And it's, it's definitely a big shift, but... Um, hopefully I will continue to evolve and, and learn and do a little bit better with it as well. I, one of my biggest questions I had coming to this book, and, and I wonder what your take on this was, was what does he say about drawing a line between doing what's right for you without you know caring too much what other people think, without being affected by that outside noise, and not coming across as arrogant and an awful human being? Yeah, good question. He talks about deviance very early in the book and he mentions people like David Bowie or Madonna, Kim Kardashian obviously, and they are people who have been different and have um, focused on their difference and have then tried to exploit it or take advantage of it however you may wish to see it um, and not live their life by fear of what other people think of them and uh, what they say about them, obviously, because they're celebrities. And he's definitely doing the same thing. Once you do a little bit of research into the author, you can see that he is certainly different from the society that he was born into or grown up into. He talks a lot about coming from a very strong British education, kind of more buttoned up culture, moving to LA where there's the kind of the rules are completely different to what the rules may have been at Oxford where he studied. Um, so he kind of is saying, yes, it's hard, but you need to just get over it if this is what you want to do and have that, again, conviction in yourself, which I think is easy to say as a best-selling author and a marketeer and a very well-educated man who has focused on celebrities and brands and has kind of become a commentator for them. As an individual living a normal life, I think it's much harder because you also don't want to challenge yourself too much with the self-criticism that we have whenever we have whatever opportunity we find mm. ourselves in, we walk away and we analyze ourselves because that's just human nature. Um, and I think having a degree of self-awareness of how you choose to project yourself onto others or a situation, but keeping the balance of ultimately what you feel comfortable with and walking away feeling good about yourself in that way is probably more important to me than completely blurring the boundaries to think, well, I don't really care what that person says because I do. Because yes. Yeah people that you're having a connection with because you want to be friends for example or in a business sense it's clients that you want to um, if it's in a new business opportunity you want to engage with them or existing clients again if we t think about it from a business point of view human interaction and engagement is really really important and there's a whole level of different levels of confidence of not caring about that that mm. I don't think I would be as um, strong uh, in achieving as as the author has been. If you've just um, <clears throat> excuse me, if you just tuned in, you're listening to Talking of Books on Dubai 103.8, and we are talking to Shadi Moazami, founder and director of Maya Commun Maya Luxury Communications, um, and we are reviewing the Kim Kardashian Principle by Jitendra Sadev, who is coming to the Emirates Airline Festival of Literature in February. Um, Tamriz, you wanted to jump in there. Yeah, I think um, he 
takes it quite to the extreme level of saying people would forgive, especially, you know, he talks about millennials and the Gen Zers, that they would forgive a lot of stuff from celebrities, but they don't forgive someone who's being wishy-washy and not being really authentic. So he gives the example of Zen Malik in the book, who is not very proud of his heritage. And he's always tried to play down the fact that he is British Pakistani Muslim. I mean, he's even said he's not a practicing Muslim. He doesn't identify as a Muslim, but this is part of his identity. He's always played down. And um, there have been sort of like Twitter takedowns where people have really come at him very strongly, even using racist language. And in the end, from a PR point of view, he's the one who's looked bad because he doesn't really stand up for what he, who he is. We are going to pop in a bookmark there. We've actually had a couple of questions in for you, Shadi, so we'll get to those in just a few minutes. Um, But while we're on the subject of the Kim Kardashian principle and and opinions that polarise people, we've had a few text messages in as well about the book murderer that we were talking about earlier. Um, So we've got two very contrasting books, um, contrasting books, contrasting opinions. How is that any different from having two volumes? People should get a life, says Kamala. Um, Dogged is not the same as destroying the book. Notes, folded pages and broken spine is just a sign of the book being used. Two very different views on this. And I think this is why this, you know, tweet has gone viral and is an example of exactly what you tend to saying in the Kim Kardashian principle. And now back to popularity. Can I Popular. <laughs> you cannot. I'm sorry, Alex, but you cannot interrupt Kristen Chenoweth when she begins to sing popular. True. Okay? True. All right. Popular. You're gonna be popular. I'll teach you the proper poise when you talk to boys. Little ways to flirt and grind. I just have to wait to the end of the... Um, So we've had a few text messages about this, but Alex, what were you going to say? Listen, I'm going to jump on the Kim Kardashian hating bandwagon, or not even hating, just not caring. And Mm. to compare her to, and completely no offence, but to compare Kim Kardashian to David Bowie is just absurd. I mean, he's a cultural icon who is a genius, whereas Kim Kardashian, I mean, really honestly, can... Can anybody tell me one thing she's ever done of any significance except occasionally look good? And, you know, okay, all credit to the marketing people for making a success, but it has nothing to do with that. She was lucky enough to be picked up for a TV show, which she... And, I mean, what has she even done in the last five years except maybe do a couple of photo shoots? So, I, you know, I, I, I can't... Even, I mean, if you want to... Com- I think if you the best example of this is, say, if you want to look at, say, Taylor Swift, completely different. A lot of respect for Taylor Swift and what Taylor Swift does. But Kim Kardashian, she has the opportunity to be a cultural leader and she's just a vacuum. <laughs> Alex Brune there with his thoughts on the Kim Kardashian principle, just Kim Kardashian in general. You're not the only one to think this. We've had some text messages in as well from Finn. You cannot put David Bowie, who had amazing talent with Kim Kardashian, who is not in the same category. Um, On the book murderer front, um, just very quickly, if we're talking about polarizing opinions, it it all connects. Um, Book murdering, well, splitting long books in half is also a way of sharing books with friends on long trips with a small backpack pre-kindle anyway so long as people are reading says flora so shadi would you like to respond to that i have to say i completely agree <laughs> i do um she is on instagram so i don't know how many millions of followers she has on instagram and a lot of her followers will probably come back to you and list the different photo shoots and um topics that she's kind of uh, got herself involved in for sure and i do think she's trying to do more 
Um, I think she's she's getting a law degree now. She's more involved <laughs> in her heritage within our, with Armenia. Absolutely. But I'm definitely okay. not. I'm a, okay. similar to you. I'm not a fan. I've never seen an episode of their show. I admit she looks great, but she has a lot of help to, to look great. Um, and I, I think what I find, kind of I find irritating about this book slightly is mm. that um, the author every now and then brings in something that people or someone that people do relate to and admire and uses it almost like clickbait. So the title of the book itself, The Kim Kardashian Principle, like what does that even mean? Like The Kim Kardashian Principle or bringing in David Bowie, as you said, or um, the listener mentioned as well. He's kind of doing the same thing, like mm. hijacking news stories or people stories to prove his point, which works and is necessary in our society today because a lot of people don't read as many books or watch the news as much and they engage more on social media through Instagram, through YouTube. So it works for a certain demographic. But um, I, I definitely agree that I think there are other people that we can admire in today's society, but also through history and aspire to be more like them based on their learnings or life situation or, or brands, yeah. for example. I mean, it, wouldn't be, it would not have been published if it was called The Jane Brown Principle, would it? Yeah, well, it's clickbaity, isn't it? Um, and I think what was good about it is that, and, and it's nice talking to you about it, because he goes into more than Kim Kardashian in the book. It's just, you know, she's front and centre and she's in the title of the book. But the concept of authenticity, very quickly before we move on, this took me by surprise. Now, I had never viewed Kim Kardashian as authentic at all. And this is a big part of the book. Successful, yes, but never authentic. I'm not even, I'm not going to join in. I have my my thoughts about Kim Kardashian. Um, But that aside, what I'm saying is I don't see her as a person. I see her as a, I see her as a brand. And so from that point, I don't see her as authentic. Does he elaborate on that? Good question. Um, I think he talks about her overexposing herself in a way that's more authentic to what she wants to do. And it comes back to that fear and not caring about what people think about you or say about you. Okay. Um, and living the life that she wants to, because she's obviously very confident in how she looks, how she acts. So through the journey of being Kim Kardashian, of, of what we know of her, um, the fact that she was a reality TV star, the fact that she's very active on social, the fact that she goes to these award ceremonies and puts herself out there, I guess that's authentic to her. But do we often hear about her talk about the struggles that she faced after the incident she had in Paris where she was robbed? No, that to me would be infinitely more authentic. I I thought we heard too much about that. Oh, really? Well, there you go. You probably know more than me because I'm not engaged with her in any way. I know about um, it, therefore I know too much about it. But she doesn't often... Well, actually, maybe I'm saying this and I don't know. Maybe I'm the wrong person to, to share that. But I would have preferred to know more about her mental health struggles, honestly. This is awful, awful, terrifying thing to have happened. Um... I would have preferred to have, you know, known how she dealt with it or the help that she got with mm. um, supporting her children, her family in the future, rather than bringing back the jewels that attracted the robbers in the first place, for example. But We are going to have to wrap up this um, this book very quickly. What one question would you ask Jutender at the festival when he comes in February? I would just ask him how he does this on a daily basis because the book is filled with him being inundated with requests for his opinion and commentary and him being so busy and 
he's not that old, but he seems to have achieved a lot and done a lot of work with different marketeers and his own education. So it's like, how do you manage it and maintain your most authentic self whilst also still projecting this author vision um, of, of a best-selling author yeah. uh, with this as well. I think whatever your opinion on this, it's definitely a provocative discussion, um, quite polarising. And I've actually been to one of Jutenda's events before. Didn't agree with everything that was being said, but it was really fun watching all of the questions at the end and seeing how engaged people were with the discussion. So emirateslitfest.com, if you'd like to go to that, he will be coming to the festival on Thursday, the 6th of February. That's when his event is. Moving on now, Tamriz, because you've been doing some reading yourself as well. Um, Tamriz, and I'm as a bookstagrammer and she's also on the education department for the Emirates Airline Festival of Literature as well. Now you've been reading Fatima Bhutto's New Kings of the World Dispatches from Bollywood, DZ and K-pop. Now I, we've also been reading her fiction book. I know that you're reading The Runaways. I'm reading that as well. And she's this beautiful fiction writer. So I, it took me by surprise when I found that she actually had this non-fiction book. Um, had you heard about it before discovering it because it was part of the festival? Um, so Fatima Bhutto is actually um, an, a writer that I've followed for a very long time. Um, and, and she's written for a lot of publications and her strength is actually her political writing. So nonfiction is what she's very good at. But this book, I, I really enjoyed reading it. I thought perhaps it's going to be, I was wondering whether she would strike a good balance between talking about pop culture and sort of what she's really good at, which is very like hard hitting sort of political analysis. Mm. And she does that beautifully in this book. She keeps it light, but it's not a fluffy book. There's a lot of analysis and really interesting um, political economic um, trends that she's looking at so I, I think this is a brilliant book very very short book um, and I think that's also a strength of the book because people don't want to read a long book about popular culture that's going to get sort of outdated in a few months anyways it's a quick short timely book and I think it's a very interesting read um, so just very quickly for listeners who are wondering what New Kings of the World Dispatches from Bollywood, DZ and K-pop is actually about. Can you just summarise it very, very briefly? Yeah, it's pretty much in the title. So she's talking about how there's this wave of um, or rise of popular culture from the global south, which would be like, you know, developing countries. In, in this case, it's India, Korea and Turkey, which she's primarily looking at, but she also looks at other other countries. And she's talking about how this is displacing the strength of American pop culture. But then she steps back and she looks at all of this from like a political point of view and how it ties in with the economics of these countries and why this is so popular right now. And the main argument she's making is that um, people living in the global south, developing countries like from Latin America to Africa, Asia, and especially here in the Middle East as well, they identify with pop culture rising from uh, places like India or Korea or Turkey much more than American pop culture because some of the themes, the challenges, um, like you know, globalization, migration from rural to urban cities. Uh, family ties. These are the sorts of themes that um, are raised in, for example, in Turkish dramas or Bollywood films. And people can relate much more to them than the sorts of themes that you would see in American TV shows, for instance. 
Yeah, exactly. And I learned so much from this. She packs a lot. You said it's a small book, but she packs a lot into each page and each paragraph. Um, when she talks about, um, she focuses on India, she focuses on South Korea and on Turkey. Se- on Turkey. And I didn't realise about this um, soap opera, Magnificent Century, watched by upwards of 200 million across 43 countries. Um, her statistics are, are mind-blowing. Um, I liked what she had to say as well about the influence that America had um, on South Korea um, as well in terms of military bases. And I, these are connected, the connections that she makes are things that I've never actually considered before. Um, she says, global affinity for Coca-Cola, blue jeans and rock and roll was born out of America's military bases. Hollywood movies were wildly popular on the peninsula. Even Hyundai traces its origin story to the bases as the two brothers who set up the car company did mechanical work for the American military. Before the Korean War, the most popular music was Trot, a mix of Foxtrot and Japanese songs, which was booted out by something exciting coming out of the Yankee bases, rock music. But then you, you already mentioned this you know he um she goes on to say that, that it was no longer representative of of you know what um people in the east were able to identify with it didn't really speak to them um were there any were did it surprise you in any way um so i i've never watched turkish dramas although i know um in pakistan where i'm from they're wildly popular and i know here in the middle east as well if you go down to city walk there's this whole um section which is based on what she calls magnificent century and i think in arabic it's called harim sultan which is basically the sultan's harem which is this uh, turkish uh, drama series and there's this whole pop-up or used to be i don't know if it's still there on in city walk where you could go and wear some of the Mm. ottoman costumes in global village as well in the turkish pavilion they had this section where you could go and wear ottoman costumes and this and she talks about that in the book how um some of these um soap operas or turkish drama serials they're uh, going back to this ottoman uh time and people just love the sort of the the nostalgia about it or the reminiscence about that sort of time period popular you're gonna be popular. I'll teach you the proper poise when you talk to boys. Little ways to flirt and grounds. The inimitable Kristen Chenoweth there, of course, singing um, in Wicked. But it's a popularity contest this week because we've got Shadi Mozami, director and founder of Maya Luxury Communications, with us in the studio, and Tamri Zanam, bookstagrammer and LitFest team member from the education department, discussing two books connected somewhat by popularity and celebrity culture, The Kim Kardashian Principle and by Jitender Sadev, and New Kings of the World, Dispatches from Bollywood, Dizzy and K-pop by Fatima. Buto. Now it's been great to get your thoughts on both of these two books side by side. There's only so much we can share in the discussion and obviously reading the books to make your own assumptions is always important but we've already asked you Shadi what you would want to ask Jitenda at the festival. Um, Fatima Buto is also going to be speaking at the festival. Tamiz, after reading New Kings of the World, what, what do you want to ask her? What do you want to know that you didn't read about in the book? I would want to know what surprised her in her research the most. Mm. She she went to really different parts of the world for this, you know, to find out, for example, how popular Bollywood is in Latin America. I had no idea about that. And then she goes to Turkey and Korea and, you know, all of these places. I'd love to know, like, what were the things that she got really surprised by? 
I think the thing that really surprised me, I mean, it is, it's a, it's a, it's a book with so many fascinating insights and so many fascinating facts. Every page is just jam-packed with them. And it is, as you say, it's a very small, it's a very short book, a very concise book. So it's really one that's worth picking up and reading. But the fascinating thing that, uh, well, I guess we can expect this, that more, uh, that people watch Bollywood films more than American films. Of course, they pay less. So American films make more in terms of revenue, but much more people go to see Indian films. And the other thing, too, is that the first feature-length film was actually not, thank goodness, was not D.W. Griffith's appalling Birth of a Nation, but it was actually was an Indian movie. So, I mean, really interesting things like that, that I didn't know that the first film was actually uh, an Indian film. So I think it's, it's a really interesting skewing on popular culture and looking at things in a different way and saying that maybe we're not living in an American century or an American world we're we're living in a world that's a lot more balanced and has a lot more stories emerging yeah if you just tuned in you're listening to talking of books and um, we're talking about new kings of the world dispatches from bollywood dizzy and k-pop by fatima buto did you get the sense as you were reading tamriz that um if she hadn't focused on turkey on south korea and on india i mean the book could have been it could have been a lot longer couldn't it she could have focused on more parts of the world or is, is her focus on these three areas like very specific and with with a direct purpose I think um, I read somewhere that this book was commissioned by Columbia Global Reports and she was actually given a word count that right. she had to stick to. And these are just three sort of cultural phenomena which are huge, but sometimes those in European or Western countries or those who follow that culture more don't even realize that it exists. Like I, I was really surprised by the insights into, for example, Turkish the popularity of Turkish drama serials. Yeah, um, we've actually had a text message in um, Harim al-Sultan and other Turkish soaps are dubbed into Arabic so reach a much wider audience than US shows which would be subtitled which is an interesting observation is that one that she makes in the book as well? Yeah, and she talks about how um, when these shows are dubbed into Arabic they stick to Syrian dialect for Arabic which um, in the 90s had become the most popular uh, Syria was producing the most number of TV shows and they were wildly popular so now in our Arabic audiences' minds, these Turkish shows are almost Syrian shows, which is a very strange thing. But it, I, I thought that was an interesting observation as well. Um, you, you're shaking your head there a little bit. Oh, no, listen, I'm just agreeing because I think it's a really, really interesting, uh, I mean, the success of that series that it is, it's something that a lot of people, it's like this whole other subculture, this whole other world exists and you get this little peek into it and think, my God, this, this, this thing is actually so popular. I remember when I first heard about this series, it was at City Walk and I was looking out, there was these huge pictures of these characters and these costumes. I thought, what is this? I've never even heard of it. And, you know, there's this whole world out there of people who love this. I would love to see this show picked up by someone like Netflix or someone like this to get it out to a much, much wider audience and be seen like a wider audience. Like, say, for example, a wonderful, wonderful show like Money Heist has got to a big, bigger audience because someone like Netflix has picked it up. So I think to take the courage to pick up a show like this, to put the subtitles on it and put it out in somewhere like Netflix, it would open up to an even larger audience. There are quite a few Turkish shows on Netflix. Yeah, so, and not that, this fair. one. Yeah, uh, I don't. Th- I don't think so. But also, you know, um, the, the MBC uh, executive who first brought Turkish dramas to the Middle East, he said the appeal of these Turkish dramas. He he found them by chance at one of these conferences and festivals that you go to, like a film festival, TV and film festival in Turkey. And he said he chanced upon it, and he just stopped and started watching this. He couldn't understand it because there were no subtitles, and he said he just felt it was so much like our part of the world, you know, like the Middle East. And he was like, oh, I think our audiences would really like this. And that's when he got the rights to it. And then they started dubbing them. 
I think our audiences, um, or our listeners rather, would really like for us all to continue talking to you. But unfortunately, we have to leave it there. Thank you, Shadi and Tamri, so much for joining us in the studio today to talk about the Kim Kardashian principle by Jitendat Sedev and New Kings of the World by Fatima Bhutto. Um, both of those authors will be appearing at the Emirates Airline Festival of Literature. EmiratesLitFest.com is where you can go for tickets and more information. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.